We know that there is a Parsha Zohar means to read the story of Amalek, to remember the story of Amalek, and to be read from the Torah as that's the mitzvah. So the Mogan of Ram asked the question, there are many mitzvahs which we are instructed to remember. Remember this, uh, the Matan Torah, remember the story of Amalek, remember the story of Miriam, Shabbos has to be remembered, the Maisa Egel has to be remembered, all of these things, we don't have a mitzvah that there's a special reading associated with that mitzvah. Why is it that the story of Amalek is a dedicated mitzvah to read from the Torah about it? And he answers that there are, that the Shavuos reminds us of Matan Torah. There is a reading Shavuos for Matan Torah. There is a reading for Shabbos, which is in the Aserus Adibris. And some of the negative ones, like the story of Miriam, the story of the Egel, they didn't want to make a reading for it. But that doesn't seem to be enough of an answer because there is, for instance, Purim is all about Amalek. It's all about Haman. It is all about Amalek. So why is that not enough? And we have to have a special reading with a Shabbos dedicated to Shabbos Zohar that it's to remember Amalek. Why is there a necessity, a need for also having a special Shabbos dedicated to it when we're doing it only a few days later on Purim? So from this it becomes clear that there's something unique about the remembering the story of Amalek which supersedes even all the other remembrances. Which is a question because it seems like the story of Amalek is a very specific mitzvah and how does it instruct and inform our life today? We have neither the ability to be able to wipe out Amalek because first of all we don't know who he is. We don't know who the people of Amalek are. Sancheirev has already mixed up the whole world and the people that live in where Amalek used to live are not the original Amalekites, so we're not meant to, uh, to wipe them out. And the conditions of wiping out Amalek are also not possible because we don't live in Eretz Yisrael, which is a condition that you have to live in, all the Jews have to live in Eretz Yisrael. There has to be peace from all our enemies, as the Pasuk says. So it doesn't really speak practically about anything. So what is it about the Amalek? Whereas when we look at the other st- things like Shabbos, Shabbos, Matan Torah, Matan Torah has, it instructs and informs every aspect of our life. Shabbos is such a fundamental mitzvah that it doesn't only impact Shabbos, the day of Shabbos itself, it also spills into the rest of the week. It, inf- it impacts also how we behave the rest of the week. The story of Miriam is about Lashon Hara, which is such an such an invasive sin that it causes all kinds of difficulty. The Gemara talks about the horrors of Lashon Hara. So why is it that this doesn't have a special reading? And it's only the mitzvah of uh, Amalek, the story of Amalek, that has to be remembered. So to understand this, we have to understand what is the mitzvah of remembering Amalek. As we said before, there is, there is, since there is no possibility to actually carry out what the Pasuk seems to be saying that remember Amalek in order to, to wipe them out since we're not able to wipe them out anyway so what is the purpose of remembering them now, now in Golos and also where else do we find that the Torah says remember what they did in order that you will be uh, you will be encouraged to wipe them out for instance, we find that the Torah told us that we have to wipe out the seven nations when the Yidin went into Yisrael. There's no mitzvah that says you have to remember the corruption of the seven nations so that you will be encouraged to wipe them out. 
Why is it that by Amolek, it's not enough that the Torah should say, wipe out Amolek, it also has to give a mitzvah, remember what they did, so that you will wipe them out. Why does it have to be a separate mitzvah? And we find, in fact, that the two mitzvahs of wiping out Amolek and remembering Amolek are counted as two separate mitzvahs. They're two separate of the 630 mitzvahs, not just one that leads to the other. Not two details in one mitzvah. And the type of mitzvahs that they are are also very different from each other. For instance, the mitzvah to wipe out a Amalek is a mitzvah on the community or even on the king, not on each individual, where the mitzvah of remembering what a Amalek did is a mitzvah for each individual. The mitzvah of wiping out a Amalek is only when all the Jews live in Eretz Yisrael and when there's peace. The mitzvah of remembering a Amalek is at all times and all places, unconditioned, it doesn't, it's not dependent on conditions of where the Jews live and whether there is peace it's always, it's a continuous and ongoing mitzvah, so they're very different mitzvahs even, so it seems that there is something about the remembering aspect of Amalek that is separate from the, story, from the actual mitzvah of wiping out Amalek so to explain, what is Amalek and why is it that Hashem has this hate to Amalek and wants to wipe him out Amalek, our sages tell us, is Yedeya Esribayna Machavan Limiridbay. He knows Hashem and intentionally rebels against Him. He doesn't rebel out of ignorance of Hashem. He's well aware of Hashem. He understands Hashem and rebels even so. And that's what a Yid has to get rid of within yourself. Before you can approach wiping out the actual Amalek, you have to make sure that there isn't a little bit of that tendency within you. Obviously not in, a, in the way Amalek has it. It could be in a very subtle way. You're aware of Hashem and yet you do your Averis and, because, and you know that you're rebelling against Hashem. That subtle expression of Amalek within ourselves has to be eradicated. So remembering what Amalek is, is what is meant to neutralize the impact of Amalek in our own lives, in our own souls, in our own minds that there sh- it should neutralize Amalek is trying to get us to rebel against Hashem even in a very subtle way which eventually by the way when you do it again and again in a subtle way it turns more and more pronounced and more and more uh, coarse and more and more real and closer to the way Amalek does it but he, you start, he starts with doing it in a very subtle way in order to counter that you have to remember what Amalek did Remember that there is that what his point is is to rebel against Hashem, and therefore that will it, in itself, if you do it properly, will neutralize tendencies to rebel against Hashem. And therefore, for this, they created a reading in the Torah because Torah has the power to change reality. If, as we know from the pasuk Lakel Gamer Eli, that there is a the Torah has the possibility even to change the physical reality of the world. And when the, it, a reading is made out of it, in the Torah, it gives us the ability to, it gives the Torah, it gives the ability for this to happen in our lives, to help us to actually counter these tendencies of Amalek. The Torah has a stronger impact on making it happen, on neutralizing it, and that's why it's read from the Torah. To elaborate a little bit more about this, that's why the reading of Amalek becomes a mitzvah minat Torah. We know that there's a difference between mitzvahs which are da'iraisa, Torah-mandated law, 
and rabbinically mandated law. One of the main differences is that, or at least the way the Achreinim explain it, is that when a Torah mandates something, it has an impact on that object itself. So when the Torah says not to eat something, a certain product, that product becomes uh, reviled. It becomes something which is prohibited. The object itself becomes disgusting to us. It becomes, as would be said in Hasidic terminology, it is totally evil and removed from our reality. We can have nothing to do with it. Rabbinic mitzvahs talk to the person himself. Not that this thing that the, Torah, that the, rab, the rabbinic sages decided was should be avoided. It doesn't mean that that object is, by definition, wrong and evil. It's just that it talks to us as people. We need to re- remove ourselves from that in order so that we will not fall into some other um, Torah-mandated law, uh, prohibition. There is a certain quality in the rabbinic mitzvahs which speak to us as people. The, the Chachamim say the rabbinic mitzvahs are even more dear to us than the Torah-mandated law. What does that mean? That means that it allows us to express our dedication to Hashem even more so than doing the Torah law. We invite more restrictions. The Torah should give us more restrictions. This gives us more opportunities to express our dedication and our submission to Hashem. And then we invite the rabbinic prohibitions as well, their restrictions, to show even more of our dedication to Hashem. But that all talks about our personal dedication. It doesn't talk about how the world is impacted. It's just that we want to stay away. We want to be able to serve Hashem in the most perfect way. So the rabbinic mitzvahs only address us as people, not the reality of the world. Whereas Torah law, that changes the reality of the world. If the Torah says something is prohibited, that becomes prohibited. And that's why the mitzvah of remembering Amalek, remembering the story of Amalek, becomes a Torah law because that gives us the power for the Torah to, for us to be able to implement that remembering so that it should actually have the effect on us that we're looking for, which is to neutralize any tendency within us to rebel against Hashem. Why is there such a need to constantly remember and be on guard against this rebelling against Hashem? Why is it so important? Obviously, there's no need for a yid to be instructed to always remember not to violently rebel against Hashem, because that's out of the question. But in a very subtle way, there is this ability, as we said before, and it always has to be remembered. Why does it always have to be remembered that this mitzvah of remembering Amalek is constant and ongoing, and it never stops? To explain... The last pasuk in the story of Amalek in this week's parsha is Ki Yod Al which means Hashem's hand is raised in an oath that I, there is a war against Hashem. Hashem wages a war against Amalek forever, from generation to generation. But it uses the name Yudke, Hashem's name of Yudke, rather than the full name of Yudke Vovke. So it's explained to mean that the name of Hashem is incomplete, only the Yudke are there, until Hamolik is wiped out, Hashem's name is incomplete. What does that mean? That Hamolik goes to war against the second part of Hashem, the Vav K, 
which is missing from Hashem's name in this Pasuk, is because Amalek is constantly at war with those two letters. The question is, why those two letters? Why not against the whole name of Hashem? Why is it that it's only the second two letters? You would think that the first two letters are more important. The first part of Hashem's name, Yudke, is more important than Vavke. In fact, a Yudke in itself is still a name of Hashem, one of the seven names that you're not allowed to erase. So if he wants to attack it, he should, he should be attacking that. And the answer is, the Yudke Vavke are, are understood in Kabbalah to mean Yud is Chachma, Hey is Bina, Vav is the emotional makeup of a Yid, because the name of Hashem also translates into the, into the, the soul of a Yid. A yid is reflective of Hashem. So Hashem's name is reflected in our soul. The yud is our in, a yud ke is our intellect. The vav is our emotions. And he represents our activities, speech, acti- uh, action, how we translate what we are into the world around us. Maise. Amalek has no problem with the yud ke, with intellect. He doesn't care that a yid understands Hashem knows Hashem, is aware of Hashem in fact, that's part of what he wants to do, he wants a, when a Yid is unaware of Hashem and therefore rebels that's not enough of a rebellion for a Amalek a Malik wants a Yid to know Hashem and to be aware of Hashem and yet rebel so therefore a Malik wants to leave the Yudke, the intellect intact, he wants a Yid to be aware of Hashem he only is interested in attacking the emotion because once a intellect makes its way into emotion then it will lead to behavior based on a, per, a, a person's emotion so therefore he uh, goes to war against the vafke only doesn't want intellect to translate to emotion and therefore to action which means in a nutshell that a malik doesn't care that a yid understands what Hashem wants he is he wars against a yid submitting to the will of Hashem doing what Hashem wants and that is something that everybody has to be careful of wherever you are in the uh, hierarchy of knowledge and of, of uh, spiritual development and so on there's always the danger that what you know and where you are doesn't translate to submission and therefore that's something that has to be constantly on uh, every yid wherever you are as high or low as you are, you have to be constantly on guard against not allowing your knowledge to translate to submission. We not, the submission is what Amalek is against, that's what they're fighting against, that's what we have to be on guard for always, and that's why it's a, mit- a mitzvah which is constantly ongoing. And nobody's exempt from it. It could affect every single Yid as knowledgeable as a Yid is of Hashem. That explains why the war of Amalek happened even before Matan Torah. It happened on the way Adam and Shreim, even before they got to Matan Torah, because Amalek is trying to undermine what, the, what Matan Torah is all about. Matan Torah was about taking spirituality and implanting it into the physical reality. The, the angels said, leave it up here in the spiritual realm. That's what Torah is, it's a spiritual thing, leave it in the spiritual realm. That's what Amalek is trying to do. Leave it spiritual. Leave it in your mind. Your mind should be shaped by Torah. But should it translate into the physical reality, into your behavior? That's what has to be stopped. And that's why they went to war even before Matan Torah to stop what Matan Torah was trying to accomplish. And that's why this 
remembrance supersedes all the other remembrances. It talks about the very fundamental idea of Matan Torah, and that's why it's a mitzvah for which a reading was established, it's ongoing, it supersedes all the other remembrances in the Torah. And when in Golos we will accomplish the Mechias Amalek on the spiritual sense, then we will quickly get to the point where Mashiach will come and point out Amalek and appoint the king, he will be the king, and then we will be able to also wipe out Amalek in the literal sense and build the Beis Amigdash from Heri Amenu Amen.